Welcome to the 1110 Leadership Podcast, where we tackle issues at the intersection of leadership, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Rob Shields, Vice President of Strategy at 1110 Leadership, and I'm joined by my co-host, founder and CEO of 1110 Leadership, David Spicker. Proverbs 1110 lays out a bold and countercultural vision. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're here to ask, what does it look like practically to be this type of leader? Leaders willing to invest everything they have so that everyone around them can thrive. Join us on the journey as we lean in, listen, and learn how to become Proverbs 1110 kind of leaders. The kind of leaders that make our cities rejoice. David. Hey, Rob. How are we doing, my friend? We're good. Yeah, still good. Still good. Yes. 2024, still treating you yeah. well. Yes. Good start to the year. Haven't burned through all your New Year's resolutions quite yet. No, I'm not a New Year's resolution person. <laughs> hey, so, you can't, you can't it, fail them if you never set them. That's right. <laughs> so I like to think that I'm just kind of steady Eddie and moving through kind of the normal things with some intentionality, but that's that's what keeps me from failing on my New Year's resolutions. I don't know if that strengthens or undermines our voice around this series, right? Around goals that make us whole. If you're like, yeah, whatever, I, I, don't, I don't do goals. Goals are different than New Year's resolution to me. That's true. That's true. They feel more foundational, more thoughtful, intentional versus... Give up feeling, sugar. I'm feeling some way I need to do something to change yeah. myself. <laughs> yes. Yes, you're right. Well, I'm excited to continue this series with you. And for those of us who might be joining new, we're on our third episode of this series, Goals That Make You Whole, which is really meant to lay a foundation for your year, your leadership, your business, and your life. And so we spent the first couple episodes talking about the importance of knowing our why as companies, but then really understanding that to know our why, the purpose of an organization, you really have to spend that time wrestling with your personal purpose and a sense of meaning that really transcends work itself. And so would encourage our listeners, if they're just joining us, to go back and, and start from the beginning of this series, because we're going to go into what it looks like to set company goals today and spend the next couple episodes on that theme before going back to this idea of, of personal goals in various aspects, health, money, leadership, et cetera. So excited to continue this journey. We're, we're going to take our time. We're, we talk about being slow and deep, right, David? We're not going to microwave this series. We're going we're gonna to crockpot it. That's right. That's, that's how we roll. That's how we roll, man. <laughs> we're not, we don't actually have any helpful crockpot recipes for you. Just a disclaimer. I don't anyway. David might. He's the cook between the two of us. <laughs> so David, let's jump straight into this thing. Company goals when we think about this is this is still very much either a goal setting time or really a lot of leaders are really fresh into having set their goals for 2024 and are busy beginning to work to execute them here in Q1 so when we think about some of the common challenges for business leaders around goal setting and strategy what comes to mind for you well first just just simply taking the time to develop them. Again, we talk about this all the time, having margin to step back and go through a process to help them identify those goals. That's that's really the first common challenge. And then once they're set, 
overemphasizing them to be the end all be all way that's going to drive our work. They're really, really important, Mm. but we can't get too far down the road where we overemphasize them. But also on the flip side, we can underemphasize them. We, we establish them at the beginning of the year and then, you know, in June, like, where is that Google doc that we yeah, made? That's right. In June, like <laughs> just as a hypothetical, everybody's looking around at each other going, you remember those goals we set back in January? <laughs> what, how are we doing with those? And where right. are they? What are they? And then the last thing I would say is they're not really uniquely aligned around mission, vision, and values and the why of the, the company or organization. They, they need to be integrated deeply within the culture and the purpose, the mission, and values of the company. And so those are the challenges that leaders face as they think about goals. Yeah, those are great. I love that duality there of both the traps of overemphasizing and underemphasizing, you know, both have, maybe our listeners have specific personalities that would have them tend to fall off the horse one way or the other. David, you've worked a lot with leaders around goal setting and strategy. So when you think about this in terms of providing a, a lattice or a framework for people and leaders that you've seen led to really helping to clarify and create momentum for an organization, is there a secret recipe for this? You know, and assuming if there is, you know, is it proprietary? Are you able to share it or is it you keep it in a lockbox like your famous cookie recipe? <laughs> no. Be careful now. That recipe, that <laughs> not recipe. not dropping that one in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was a that was a really subtle attempt for our listeners for me to really just get access to the cookie recipe. I need it, David. I need it. Well, if you were to Google Frameworks for goal setting, Rob, there are thousands of frameworks. So there is nothing that's proprietary around a framework related to goal setting. But when we work with companies, we help them begin to develop their goals by having them look at their past performance, take into consideration their future plans. So planning certainly is involved with this. And then also to have them look at any external environment risks or things that they may anticipate that they can't predict but try to understand what may be ahead so they they can identify clear, attainable goals. And when we think of a framework, we think of it in three areas, people, profit, and impact. So what are your people goals? What are your profit or number goals? What are your impact goals? When you think about people, you know, we're thinking about culture. We're thinking about People staying in their work, um, retention, people growing in their jobs and developing opportunities for people to grow into new positions with greater responsibility. Companies who take assessments on their culture, do they want to achieve a certain score or percentage of satisfaction around the quality of work that their employees are experiencing? How many leaders are they developing? Things like that. For profit or numbers, it's the typical things that you would think about, sales numbers, profit numbers, profit growth, all the things that make sense around numbers. And then finally, impact. Impact would be what kind of impact are we having and how can we quantify that, whether it's with our customers or stakeholders? Is there 
satisfaction rate or retention rate that we're looking at, feedback that we're getting from people, how we're engaging within the, the community, and what do we want to identify and measure in relation to that. Even stories and testimonies that we might get from those who interact with us and how that might even be a goal that we want to obtain and pursue. So those are the things that we think about in the companies that we work with. And all of that is meant to make sure that they're not just driven by numbers or just sales or revenue, but they're holistic to include people and impact. Yeah, I was going to ask that as a follow-up question. You know, you're presenting these. I was going to ask you a question of how are they weighted and both how do you weight them when you think about the importance of these topics for a leader and their strategy and their goal setting and how, you know, anecdotally when in your work with leaders, how have you seen them be weighted and do, are they all typically weighted equally or is, are there, I would assume I'd, I could make some assumptions when you talk about people, profit and impact, which ones are usually at the center of conversations and which ones maybe could tend to fall by the wayside. I listed them in order of importance, although they're all equally important. <laughs> if that makes sense. Is that what you tell your kids? Uh, you're all equally important, but I'm going to list you in order of importance. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why we list them in that order, people, profit, impact, is because we want to be really intentional about people. Hmm. Because ultimately, you're in the people business. And profits and money are driven by people and the way that they perform the way that they feel connected, the way they felt feel led, the the ways they feel empowered, and so and it's it's really easy for leaders not to see that, but we want to focus their goals and their intentionality on how they are growing their people, because we know if they do that, then that's typically going to lead to good numbers, and then ultimately that then leads to impact. They're all equal in that you need them all to be a healthy company. You got to hit your numbers. And when we talk about impact, that goes back to our why, why we even exist. And you have to have your people who love their work and are engaged. So they're all equally important. But in terms of process and how we orient the companies that we work with, we do it in that order, people, profit, impact. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a natural tension that can exist there, but I think we really present them as you know, being holistic is is not really skewing. Hey, you don't want to work for companies that skew too much of emphasis on profit over people, but you also can't just make it about people only. And I mean, profit matters, right? You can't just right. discard it and treat it lightly because in many ways, being profitable is a way that you care for people. So I love that you took it back even to the why from our previous episodes of you know, our whys as a company and even personal whys are people-centered whys. And so that's why you have it ranked first and everything really flows out from that. And there's there's an intersection between these, these or a triple Venn diagram here, I think, of aiming for that sweet spot in the middle. So let's play a game, shall we, David? You in, you in a game plan yes, mood? for okay. sure. I'm going to call this game Something Never Always. Probably not my best title work. You know, I put my real A game out there and naming the episode. So, but I do give myself an A plus for it being very clear and concise. <laughs> so there are three, three parts to this game. Fill in the blank for me for sometimes, never always. 
complete this sentence. When it comes to setting goals for your business, world-class leaders always blank. <laughs> All right. Am I on the clock? Yes. This is a very one-sided <laughs> game. There's only one player, you. I'm, I'm the moderator of the game. Okay. <laughs> perfect. So the clock is however long I want to go. However long the game is like baseball, you know, just <laughs> let it play however it needs to play. All right. Good. So, okay. World-class leaders always first have them. They have goals. Hmm. Many companies we work with uh, don't have goals and they feel like they don't need them partly because they feel like it'll affect their culture in some way. They don't want to be tied to them or in their industry. It's really hard to predict outcomes or things that are out of their control. But beyond that, even if those circumstances are the way they are, world-class leaders have goals and they can identify things that need to be targets again, around people, profit and impact so that they can be world-class. So that's one. Second, they always hold them loosely. Like we've mentioned before, they can't be the end-all, be-all. They're important, but that they're not the only thing that matters. They always make them visible. They talk about them. They track progress toward them. They use them to drive performance and ensure everyone in their company is on the right track. So they don't come around in June and say, where, where are those goals? No, these are regular topics of conversation, part of their regular rhythm within their meetings. They're tracking their progress. They're identifying those people who are responsible uh, for the achievement of each of those goals, and they're holding everyone accountable to them. They keep people at the center of the process. So this gets back to having people first, which means they prior to prioritize goals not just around results, but ones that invest in and develop their people and develop and, and, and elevate their culture. And then they are goals that are just, and we're going to get to this in our next episode because there's a lot to say around this idea, around how businesses have goals that leads to the flourishing of their employees and to the community in which they're operating. And so they have a real sense of outward focus and their goals reflect that as well. That's a great list. You know, I just made up this game. And so I'm advancing you to the next round in it, in the <laughs> arbitrary rules that I'm creating in real time. So let's move on to, the, to round two, shall we? You're doing, you're doing great. Perfect. <laughs> Fill in the blank. When it comes to setting goals for your business, world-class leaders never blank. Okay, this is a good one. So they never come up with them on their own, and then tell their teams what they are. Ooh, that is a good one. And that's the real tendency mm. for a leader just to knock this out, right? Because we have too much to do. I'm just going to go into my office, figure out what our yearly goals will be. I know the company the best, so I'm just going to come up with them and just tell our team and tell them what they need to achieve. World-class leaders never do that. Hmm. They always make this a shared exercise, something that will be owned by the key people within their company. That doesn't mean the whole company has to come up with goals, but certainly extending it to leaders and maybe even getting feedback from people across the company to help goals be established 
so that these are developed together and they're owned together. They will not be effective if that's not the case. So they never do that. They also never have too many goals. It's really easy, particularly in a big company, to have lots and lots of goals. Now, it makes sense to have, say, goals by department. And so you have a lot of goals across the organization. But they should all roll up to maybe three, four primary goals that are the key targets that are going to enable the company to be successful across people, profit, and impact. So it's important to be able to whittle goals down to those ones that are extremely important, that need to be tracked, and can keep people on the same page. If you have too many, you can get to the point where it's, you know, it just can't manage them. They're not really driving performance and they're, they're, people forget them. And then finally, what I would say is world-class leaders never not celebrate them. Can I say that? That's a double negative. I think so. I think <laughs> we're starting to blur the lines here, but yes, I'll allow it. Okay. Never not celebrate them when they or their team members achieve them. World-class leaders, this goes back in the always category, always celebrate the achievement of their goals. I can't tell you mm. how important this is and how, if I were to guess of all the companies that we work with, I would say probably 10% of them do this well. Mm. We are such a half-class empty culture that when we achieve a goal, we think about the next one that we need to achieve versus stopping, ringing the bell, having a party. Hitting the gong. Yes, hitting the gong, gong. Yeah. and celebrating the achievement of, of that goal. It's amazing what happens to company culture when there is a culture of celebration. Because it, it also, it not only affirms people and their achievements and empowers them, but it shows that the goal was important. Like it was the very reason we set the goal. <laughs> was extremely important. And so if you just kind of bypass it and just say, oh, no big deal, then it takes the weight of the goal out of its importance. And so you want goals to be really vital to the organization and mean something. And that's why you want to celebrate their achievement. Mm. I like that. I like that. A couple of those points I'm reacting to here, of this idea of you never come up with them on your own which is a callback to you know one quality of a just leader of, of giving power away, right? Like this is an opportunity to practice that quality and democratizing the process. Just because you can do it alone doesn't mean you should and doesn't mean it's good for you or the company, but really is an opportunity to share power and, and share a sense of ownership. And when the companies, we the leaders that we work with do this, it elevates the entire organization by passing that power and creating opportunities for for people to really step up and leverage their voice in a ways that you know maybe wouldn't be heard otherwise and so we're going to get back to that as a, as its own standalone episode of how we actually do this around goal setting later in this series so I'm glad you took it there as a little bit of a preview and I think the only other reaction I have is when you think about celebration 
I would say be wary of just the macro celebration without the micro. You know, I think that the trap you can fall in with celebrations are having like a really frenetic, stressed out day-to-day culture and then like having like a big blowout annual retreat where you just do something really lavish in the name of celebrating the year, but you work to the bone, you know, some right when you get back. And it's like, that's, I mean, we talked about this while the rest episode, right? Like that's not the kind of culture we're going for. I'm not saying not do that. I'm just saying don't avoid the micro celebrations of specific wins that might be small that aren't worth the big blowout maybe that are affirming and celebrating throughout the year. You know, don't be a Santa Claus type of, <laughs> yes. you know, work really hard or play really hard one day a year. Anyway, I thought that was worth noting of just that both and versus the either or. Absolutely. Great word. Oh. Okay. All right. So you, you started to fall off here on the rules. So I'm going to, I'm going to be more strict on this last one. Okay. Are you kidding? You answered a never with an always, and you just you put a double negative in there. I'm like, I just... yeah, but it was it was it made it more powerful. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I, it was great. Okay, last round. You've made it to the final round, knockout round. Perfect. So I'm not going to call it sudden death because that just feels too intense. But fill in the blank here, David. When it comes to setting goals, world class leaders sometimes blank. See, we always tell our listeners, this is not a black and white. There's a lot of nuance and gray. So this whole, this whole session, this last round is dedicated to the gray. So what do world-class leaders sometimes blank when it comes to setting goals? So never in my life have I gotten to the knockout round. Congratulations. So this, is, this is something for me to celebrate along the way. <laughs> the, the bar is pretty low on our first ever game on the 1110 Leadership Podcast. All right. But- so world-class leaders sometimes change their goals. Hmm. depending on the circumstances. You don't want to be wishy-washy about your goals. You want them to stick. But there are times when it's appropriate and necessary to change them along the way. That's good. Either because we may have overlooked something when we developed them, the environment may have changed outside of our control, or people just feel overly burdened by them, and they're, or they're just not challenging enough. Either way. So, again, all of the reason why we need to have them front and center, have them discussed, talked about, evaluated, etc. It's okay at times. It doesn't dilute their importance when they're changed. But you want to be careful that the right circumstances are such that it's, it's appropriate for them to be changed. That's great. I love that. And I think it's really important when you think about this never and always, you know, prompts, you know, in, within the spirit of, hey, you got to be flexible you know, on this and don't feel like your goals are important, but they're not designed. They shouldn't crush you either. And just make sure you're being able to adapt along the way as necessary so that you're not crushed by them and your your people aren't feeling crushed by them either. So. Well, David, in the spirit of this episode and celebration, I feel like we should, if we were kind of a swanky podcast, I'd have like a gong going off in confetti in, in production. But, you know, I'm, people are just going to have to imagine the gong. You know, mm-hmm. it's a metaphorical gong that I'm hitting. Now. You made it. You made it through the final speed round of our first inaugural game, which is great. So bottom line for goal setting, what advice would you give to business leaders as they either make goals for 2024 or, you know, revisit them as they head into to Q1 this year? 
My bottom line today is it's never too late to make goals. So we're sitting here in January already in 2024, and somebody might be listening going, oh, man, we missed it. Yeah. We didn't make goals for the year. Well, no, it's not too late. It's never too late to make them. And I would encourage you to to make them, to set aside the time, get the right people and team that are going to allow you to have this be a shared experience, have this be owned across the company and walk through an exercise around setting your goals, people, profit, and impact goals. And of course, if you need assistance, we're happy to help. That's great. Well, I'm, I'm excited to continue on this series. We're going to keep pulling on this thread with our upcoming episodes. So appreciate you going on this journey with me, David. Thanks, Rob. All right. Till next time. To learn more about 1110 Leadership, visit our website at 1110leadership.com. That's the numerals, one, one, then spelled out, T-E-N, leadership.com. That's one, one, T-E-N, leadership.com. There you'll find more resources to equip you on the journey of becoming an 1110 leader. You can also get connected to our growing leadership network. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. To help others find us, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.